Well, of course, I think uh, the government really is caught between a rock and a hard plate at the moment because the economy, albeit feeling great, certainly has um, a way to go to really excel. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show is a budget-cracking affair. We're going to dig into the Australian budget, obviously delivered by Treasurer Josh Frydenberg. The 2021-2022 budget is today's podcast. You've probably heard all about it. You probably think it's boring as batshit, but hey, I think we need to go over this stuff because budgets do have a big impact on the real estate community. In fact, you can go back to the 2019 budget. That year, we ended up having some big impacts from the real estate market as a negativity. We had things like, uh, for example, older properties being removed from getting depreciation or large parts of depreciation, which of course meant property investors had to go about reshaping their portfolio, looking for um, better tax incentives in certain asset classes. So budgets have a big impact on the real estate community. It's uh, arguably said that the last sort of budget that came out with plenty of spending really saved the economy. And of course, for real estate, some of the big spends, particularly in the first home buyer and new build section of the marketplace, absolutely created some buzz, some activity. And of course, as a result, a lot of capital growth. In fact, the new building boost or the building boost which was injected with Home Builder absolutely had a big impact on the real estate marketplace over the last 12 months. Of course, that has been stripped back and taken away. So where do we find ourselves today? How do we align ourselves with the 2021-2022 budget by Josh Frydenberg? Well, of course, I think uh, the government really is caught between a rock and a hard plate at the moment because the economy, albeit feeling great, certainly has um, a way to go to really excel. Even though we're the envy of the rest of the world, a large part of that is because the rest of the world is just not coping with coronavirus. I think it is fair to say with coronavirus, we are not out of the woods yet and there certainly is a little bit of work to be done to get us into a place where the economy is going gangbusters. But the rebound has been spectacular. It's caught many by surprise. And I think uh, in some respects, to sum it all up, one word would be amazing. Yes, we are seeing some amazing results in asset prices. The ASX 200, All Ordinaries, has just reached another record high. Um, its previous record back in January 2020 um, already rebounded. The Australian dollar has rebounded from hitting a low around when the coronavirus hit 56 cents. It's now at eight, uh, 78 cents. So Australia is doing pretty well. But I think budgets are so important to dig into some of the details so we can make some business decisions around our portfolio and what potentially 
we need to do with it if we're buying, selling, or trading. So we're going to dig into it. If it's your first time joining me on the show, welcome aboard to the Urban Property Investor. I always say, play the show in 1.5 speed or 2 speed, um, knock it over in 15 minutes, and your life uh, may just get better because you'll have something else happening in your world other than listening to me. But I tell you what, this is where real estate and, of course, the economy meet the budget. And I think, you know, the Reserve Bank has done what it can to actually stimulate the economy. And one would argue that the Reserve Bank of Australia is no longer in charge of the economy, really is now the government who's in charge of the economy. And it's really... Uh, the economy is being rebounded by spending. Now, there's four ways you can grow your economy. The first way is to sell your resources. The second way is to increase productivity by spending. Uh, the third way is to innovate. And the fourth way is to increase your population. Obviously, three of the four is underway. Our resources, our iron ore, selling at a record price, which, of course, is just fantastic for the economy. Um, when it comes to spending, the government's doing all the spending and then we're following suit. They're working out how to put money in our pocket and we're, without question, responding. Retail spending is through the roof. Um, there's nothing to buy. There's no cars left to buy. Uh, secondhand cars are going up in value. Assets are going up in value. People are shopping in the real estate community, spending bucket loads. So we are in a pretty interesting period. We're also in a period of great innovation. Um, productivity is increasing through innovation. People are working uh, and, and working out how to work smarter. So it is certainly unfolding. Probably the dampener to uh, growing an economy is certainly the lack of immigration in Australia. But as we've seen inside the property market, the doomsdayers were wrong when it comes to migration, it really does not have a massive impact on the real estate marketplace, particularly if you go ahead and stimulate the first homeowner market. Obviously, first homeowners and migrants don't have homes. So if you stimulate the marketplace, uh, you will get a result. Now, last budget, we had some great activity when it came to the first home buyer marketplace, of course. Um, one of the emergency budgets which came out was that we were going to create a home builder boost. Anyone building a home could uh, spend $25,000 of taxpayer money to do it. And people responded in droves. Today, the land shortage around Australia is ridiculously tight. There's no land. Um, everyone's gone out and built new family homes as such, we've seen a big stimulus in the economy. A lot of that has come out of budgets. So budgets are really important. And I think it's fair to say that the budget is probably almost more important than the first Tuesday of every month at the moment where the Reserve Bank comes out and gives us an update on where they see the economy. The cash rate is nothing. It's a tenth of 1%. So the Reserve Bank cannot stimulate growth in the economy without meddling with rates, which they won't do. And they've openly said by 2023, uh, we'll next look at rates late in 2023, really 2024. 
So it's an interesting place we find ourselves. Uh, you know, we did have a recession, even though most people would be like, what recession? It kind of felt that way. It was so quick. Obviously, we had two economic quarters in a row where GDP uh, declined and we had a technical recession. Obviously, the big era was that sort of lockdown period in 2020 where the economy shrunk by 7%. Since then, though, we've had two miraculous rebounds in the economy of three-plus percent quarters. What that has uh, fundamentally done is brought us back to a place now where over really a 12-month period, we're starting to actually end up in a place where the economy is growing. And so sentiment, it is also growing. We've got the all ordinaries reaching a new peak, the Australian dollar's up, but certainly the Reserve Bank of Australia would probably like to see that dollar drop a tad uh, because Australia is a land of exporters. You know, we export mining, we export agriculture, and obviously a competitive Australian dollar really does allow for um, more exports. When it comes to the real estate marketplace, the last 12 months since the last uh, uh, fundamentally budget came out, we saw some amazing things, right? Real estate marketplace now is growing in value like many other asset classes and it has been led by owner-occupiers spending money. People feel like they've got money in their back pocket to spend. The cash rate is so low. Of course, the real estate market is responding. Interesting, we also had that first home buyer boom. Uh, and it's probably fair to say now the first home buyer market is starting to slow down a little bit. It's still very strong, but we've had the biggest first homeowner uh, injection of buyers coming into the market since uh, 2009, since when Kevin Rudd stimulated the economy after the GFC, uh, that we saw a lot of first home buyers then uh, responding to a grant. We saw a lot of first home buyers over the last 12 months. Really, what I found very interesting is just how uh, people do need an extra forty dollars or $50,000 from government incentives to get into the marketplace. Um, certainly, when that stuff's available, like Home Builder Boost, it does create a lot of stimulus, which is very, very interesting to, to say the least. Are people broke without money? Uh, the time to save money, it's very hard for people. And of course, some of these booths really do create interesting outcomes from their activity. But hey, that was the last budget. It's been uh, an interesting sort of 12 months. Uh, we've seen certainly... Um, the uh, jobless rate start to to fall. And, you know, before coronavirus, we're at 5.2% jobless rate. We hit 7.5% in the middle of the pandemic. Now we're down to about 5.6%. So unemployment is really good by world standards, but it's not low enough for wage growth. And this is the biggest problem of everybody really in society that wages are not growing they haven't grown in years and for the next 10 years they're not going to grow wages are not moving anywhere really this budget is a representation of the fact that wages aren't growing reserve bank of australia openly discusses that for wages to grow jobless rate needs to fall to four percent that's not happening anytime soon 
Um, we're at 5.6%. Dropping to 4% would mean we would literally need to go and find, you know, almost, uh, you know, 800, 900,000 jobs. Um, and it's just simply not going to happen. It will get tighter, but it is not going to happen that we're going to end up in a place where we, we uh, get wage growth. And so um, we're in a position now. So, sorry, that was my phone ringing. I've got the phone ringing. I'm getting bloody cold called by hundreds of people. Cold calling's back, isn't it? People ring me about all sorts of stuff. Um, so... I'm scared to answer the phone these days. I never know who it is. It's some sort of cold call-up. Um, so we're in an interesting position where really the government, the only way to stimulate the economy uh, is to talk about tax cuts. So think of it this way, right? Because we're not able to get a wage increase, the only other way to put more money in our back pocket is to cut taxes. Of course, if you cut taxes, arguably at some point there is a flow-on effect for society and when that austerity kicks in where government cannot spend money and they don't have the tax revenue to spend on things, you tend to see, I guess, society become a little bit run down, so to speak. So in other words, right now we're borrowing a bucket load of money and is certainly helping me. It's helping you. It's helping everyone who's alive today and in the economy today. 10 years from now, though, maybe it will have a bit of a sting in the tail because we uh, have now spent or borrowed around a trillion dollars in spending. And of course, at the moment, it's that spending that's creating productivity and that productivity is keeping us in jobs and uh, certainly creating a wealth effect. So because rates are very low, the government's taking the approach with the budget to spend. Um, and so down the track, there may be austerity. And I've been coaching people from a real estate perspective to really factor in um, in their workshopping or due diligence that maybe by 2025, we'll start to see some rate movement. I think for the medium term, Rates aren't going anywhere. They're not going anywhere at all, potentially even the longer term. But if you want to feel safe about what you're doing and understand your income profile, I kind of coach people to put the interest rate up by around 2%. Um, so let's say an average interest rate is 3% today. Why not do your mathematics when you're buying at 5%? And then you're really across, I guess, any future changes in the economy, you're going to create a bulletproof approach to owning real estate. So the budget's full of winners and losers, um, and it is the 2021-2022 budget. So I think we've got a lot to digest, and we'll try and link what potentially is happening in the real estate community as much as anything else. Certainly the losers really are the tourism sector, and uh, the budget isn't really going to invest in a bit of a sinking ship at this point in time. And uh, for the most part, it's a little bit of propping up the, uh, the airline industry and, of course, the tourism industry. But right now, there's nothing on the cards when it comes to international tourists returning anytime soon. So I think 
it's fair to say uh, one of the big losers with the um, budget is is certainly the tourism sector. Um, there's no real plans to to boost a stimulus, for example, for people to do holidays or go spending in tourism location. Nothing really there to save the day, so to speak. When it comes to aged care, though, um, I certainly think um, we are seeing a big spend around $6.5 billion, uh, to really uh, connect people to, to aged care services, both in cities and regional areas. Certainly aged care is a bit of a winner. I think working families as well, absolute winner when it comes to um, the budget. And a lot of this, again, is to do with childcare, for people to go to work. Today we need two incomes really to make the world go round in a family environment. Uh, it's going to, uh, the budget has, has put a little bit of pocket money there for working families to spend on childcare. But a lot of this, you know, uh, potentially is um, a little bit of political mastery as opposed to, you know, um, certainly, um, you know, people feeling the direct benefits from that childcare policy. I think... Uh, obviously, governments love spending on infrastructure, and when we look at the big infrastructure plans, there's some uh, huge amounts being spent um, around Australia, Western Australia, 1.6 from the federal government, uh, Victoria 3.4, New South Wales 3.8, Queensland two million, uh, two billion dollars, or uh, being spent on road and rail. And obviously, road and rail is something that um, certainly is almost like creating a future economic outcome because the jobs that are connected to road and rail really are not that uh, that many. Um, when you think about it, you know, it might be sort of 10,000 jobs, but really the government looks at it like, well, if we're going to spend $15.2 if it increases our productivity and innovation into the future, we can grow the economy from the result of the spend. So really, um, over the next 10 years, we're going to see some pretty incredible new infrastructure projects, um, about a $15.2 billion spend. But the big conversation piece of this budget is tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts. So uh, certainly for middle income earners, um, they're going to have more money in their back pocket. Now, if you earn less than $37,000 a year, you're going to get tax relief of up to about $510 for the year. Doesn't seem like much, but when you analyze the cost of living increases, things like food, insurance, healthcare, um, uh, power, uh, it goes a little bit of the way to balance out the cost of living with wages stagnant. This is the big, big signal really in the economy that really um, we need to be very mindful of who we rent our real estate to. People are struggling out there at a basic level um, and so certainly the tax relief is going to help. But as you know, I'm a big believer of choosing a quality talent, quality location, really to and a quality property to fundamentally create a longevity outcome. Uh, interesting, you're seeing um, people on 37 to 48 get around anywhere from 510 
to $2,100 tax relief. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. Um, and again, it gets even better if you're 48 to 90, which is really the largest workforce in Australia, getting around sort of $2,200 tax relief for the year. And people earning 90 to 126,000 are getting around that $2,500 tax relief. So a large proportion of Australia is going to now get an extra $2,000 a year to put in their back pocket, not from a wage increase, but absolutely from a tax relief. And of course, uh, where that money is spent is going to be very, very interesting. Obviously, the idea is put more money in people's back pockets, get them spending, that eventually uh, flows through to job creation uh, if the job can be created from the spending, then, of course, things uh, like taxes can go back up. So you use tax relief to create jobs, and then um, once you've created the jobs, you put the taxes back up. That's generally how governments play this kind of game of stimulation of activity in the economy. But I tell you what, we're here to uh, learn about the housing market or the property market and there's certainly a few uh, particulars which have come out in the budget which are quite exciting for the housing market but I, I really do put these ones down as a little bit of political uh, mastery or a bit of the old political ping pong as opposed to going to have a real serious effect on the real estate marketplace. I do think though there's nothing in the budget to slow the real estate market down it is going to perform. It is going to grow. Some people are expecting anywhere from 6 to 18% capital growth across most assets. For anyone who owns assets, um, they're making a lot of money. Um, we've got uh, people in my group who own four, five, six, seven properties. They're all looking at posting a $500,000 profit across their portfolio this year. So i tell you what, what I can tell you about budgets, about the economy, is the non-risk taker absolutely doesn't get far. And it's fair to say, I think um, this stimulus is really benefiting those with assets. Um, people who have taken the risk, the government then is injecting money into the economy. The risk taker who's got property investments, who's taken out a mortgage on a family home, who's got a share portfolio, are seeing assets rise in value. So there's a few benefits still floating around, um, which the government's decided to keep. The first one is the uh, LMI scheme, the Lenders Mortgage Insurance Scheme. They're going to allow another 10,000 places for people um, where the government is guaranteeing up to 15% of the loan instead of uh, lenders mortgage insurance so it's kind of like a government-backed capital guarantee on uh, the default of the home what this is doing is meaning that some first home buyers now can just take a simple five percent deposit and go and buy real estate without having to pay the fee for lenders mortgage insurance and as we know uh, any loan over the value of 80%, you pay lender's mortgage insurance typically. And of course, uh, that means you're paying um, fundamentally a lot more than your deposit. So most Australians, as we saw with Home Builder, 
need a little bit of a boost to get into the housing market, particularly those millennials. And so the 10,000 spots, no doubt, will be soaked up pretty quickly. They were last time. And uh, really just means that people um, can put more money towards uh, reducing their debt on their asset or just go into the deal with less money to begin with. Obviously, um, if many first-home buyers choose the wrong property, they're probably buying themselves a bit of a debt bomb uh, on a 5% deposit. They're going to be highly geared, um, and that's the reality of buying your first property. You need to be very, very shrewd about if it's going to make you money or it's going to make you miserable. I think uh, the second uh, big uh, concept which the government has unveiled is the ability to release up to $50,000 in your superannuation. Um, and that is money which fundamentally if you've made extra payments up to $50,000 into your super, if you've salary sacrifice, you've got money stuck in your super and you can't use it, um, all of a sudden you can use up to $50,000 to do something with, like get into the property marketplace. Now, that has come up from $30,000, which was the past normal. It's risen to $50,000. And obviously, what you can see happening here is, again, the um, budget giving relief to new people to come into the property marketplace. And a big reason for that to occur is that the property market is a big rock of economics. It provides so many jobs from literally, um, you know, real estate agents to builders um, to, uh, you know, furniture salespeople, right? It's all connected to the property or housing marketplace. So the first one we've got is this kind of continuation of the lender's mortgage insurance situation. Uh, the second one is... Uh, tapping your super if you've made those extra contributions you're at i believe you have to have made extra contributions you can't just work off the normal um uh contributions that you've made um over over time you've needed to actually salary sacrifice some more money into it uh the third one is an interesting one and i think this one is a bit of um political mastery it's it's really gonna do nothing uh, for single parents, if they can qualify for a loan, they can actually buy real estate on a 2% deposit and uh, the government is going to back up the other 18%. Uh, again, I think for many lenders, they probably, when they do the servicing, aren't going to see too many home loans written that way um, where there's really arguably uh, a higher risk um, person with um, certainly dependents and they're putting in 2%. But you know what? It looks good in a newspaper and it certainly probably appeals to many people in society. I doubt it's going to have an impact on the real estate market whatsoever. But hey, um, certainly, uh, you know, uh, it's there for anyone who potentially could qualify and pass the ability to get a loan. Um, so let's see what happens. I don't know. Um, I'll uh, be looking into that one a little bit deeper. I think uh, probably the other big one here is the downsizer. 
Now, I talk about this a lot, that the downsizer is a really wealthy class here in Australia. In fact, if you look at the statistics, most of the money in society is stuck in downsizers, big houses. And of course, one of the challenges with that, with all that wealth in those properties, is they're not circulating in the economy. So uh, for government, there's a lot of incentive to take a baby boomer who's perhaps 65 years old, um, paid off their property, their home. Let's say the home now is worth $2 million. There is nothing good for society with that $2 million paid off stuck in the home. So government really wants that money out of the house, basically out of the home, and back into the economy spending. And so there is uh, a, um, I guess, thing in the budget which basically allows uh, home buyers who are downsizing the ability to put $300 extra into their superannuation fund, um, fundamentally tax-free. And of course, once it's in the fund, uh, because they are of um, the appropriate age, anything that that fund owns or returns is is fairly well tax-free, right? So it's a big, big reward for someone to downsize their property, um, perhaps sell their big sort of four-bedroom family home in suburbia, go and buy a really sophisticated apartment, um, sell it for two, buy a sophisticated apartment for one and put... Uh, $300,000 into super, um, obviously um, pumping up their super fund and allowing them to not end up on the pension. So this is a, a, a really good one. The practicalities of it, though, are challenging because, as we know, people don't downsize because there's no stock to downsize into. A lot of the dwellings out in the marketplace just fundamentally don't cut the musket mustard when it comes to people downsizing right so another good idea in theory but unless you build really good sophisticated apartments um, no one's downsizing to the 1970s walk-up red brick apartment complex it's not what you downsize to you downsize for a better life not a now i talk about this a lot that the downsizer is a really wealthy class here in australia in fact, if you look at the statistics, most of the money in society is stuck in downsizers, big houses. And of course, one of the challenges with that, with all that wealth in those properties, is they're not circulating in the economy. So uh, for government, there's a lot of incentive to take a baby boomer who's perhaps 65 years old, um, paid off their property, their home. Let's say the home now is worth $2 million. There is nothing good for society with that $2 million paid off stuck in the home. So government really wants that money out of the house, basically out of the home and back into the economy spending. And so there is uh, a, um, I guess, thing in the budget which basically allows uh, home buyers who are downsizing 
the ability to put three hundred extra thousand dollars into their superannuation fund, um, fundamentally tax free. And of course, once it's in the fund, uh, because they are of uh, the appropriate age, anything that that fund owns or returns is is fairly well tax free, right? So it's a big, big reward for someone to downsize their property, um, perhaps sell their big sort of four-bedroom family home in suburbia, go and buy a really sophisticated apartment, um, sell it for two, buy a sophisticated apartment for one and put uh, $300,000 into super, um, obviously um, pumping up their super fund and allowing them to not end up on the pension. So this is a, a, a really good one. The practicalities of it, though, are challenging because, as we know, people don't downsize because there's no stock to downsize into. A lot of the dwellings out in the marketplace just fundamentally don't cut the musket, mustard when it comes to people downsizing, right? So another good idea in theory but unless you build really good, sophisticated apartments, um, no one's downsizing to the 1970s walk-up red brick apartment complex. It's not what you downsize to. You downsize for a better life, not a worse life. A worse life. And so uh, for me, I've actually been investing in this section of the market, been buying um, some three-bedroom apartments because I know they skyrocket in value because the wealthy, sophisticated downsizer market absolutely loves them. They want them in droves and they just fundamentally is nothing. If you want to know what the most undersupplied real estate in Australia is today, it is sophisticated three-bedroom apartments in lifestyle precincts. There is none. Um, and if they come up, they sell for a song. I was just over in Mossman talking to an agent over in Mossman. In Mossman, Sydney, houses can sell for $10 million. Um, and a lot of older people are like, well, I'd love to sell, but where do I go? Where do I go? It's the big question for many home buyers. How do you downsize, use this government incentive, and where do you go? So uh, remember, um, you can make uh, a non-concessional contribution over three years into your super of up to $300,000, right? So this particular one is um, doesn't count towards that. So for example, maybe um, a wealthy person can shove 300 grand into their super um, as, as a one-off um, contribution. And then over and above that, if they sell their property, they can shove another $300,000 into it. There are some rules around it. Um, you know, people have needed to live as an owner-occupier in the home for at least 10 years. The person needs to be um, over 60, I believe, to do it. And also the uh, contribution needs to be proceeds of the house selling. Now, I'm not a financial planner and I certainly do not want to be quoted on superannuation. So if you're listening, um, go and speak to your financial advisor around super. I'm just telling you what's in the budget. Um, absolutely interesting, the big squeeze to get more money circulating in the economy from the boomer 
marketplace, which are fundamentally in big houses, um, annoying society. And I often say this a lot, you know, uh, boomers annoy me. Uh, if you've ever been to a coffee shop and you're seeing a boomer sitting there having the $5 muffin and coffee deal and taking up real estate in the coffee shop and not leaving, they are the boomers I'm talking about. These people have a gazillion dollars in their house. Uh, they basically have no money in their back pocket. They are asset rich and cash poor. And uh, you know what? I think they need to downsize. So let's encourage them to downsize, but we really do need to build the stock for them to go. Otherwise, they're going to be loitering in coffee shops forever. Tell you what, uh, it's a bit of a fagazi. I don't think um, really the two big signals for downsizers and first-home buyers is going to have a major impact on real estate values. Certainly a bit of status quo, keeping things rolling, Let's face it, the real estate market is doing very well and rolling along nicely. These budget announcements are just going to continue that effect. The wealth effect is really underway. And I think certainly when we wake up mid-2022, um, we're going to see some serious capital growth in the Australian property marketplace. That's it for the budget. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I'll catch you next time on The Urban Property Investor. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.